Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Mike Force Podcast. It is, of course, your host, Mike G. Today on the podcast, we answer your questions via my personal Instagram. That's at mike.a.glover. Make sure you hit me up on the stories and the posts and, and see all the engagement. I'm getting massively suppressed on Instagram. No big deal. I appreciate all your support, but I like asking the question and asking you what your feedback is and also what your questions are related to preparedness. On this episode, I answer those questions. No rehearsals, no practice. Before we get to that, let's talk about our sponsors for the podcast who are partners. These are things uh, like incentives that I want to entertain you with because I use them in my own life. I use them all. ExpressVPN is the first one, uh, and it doesn't log on to your activity. If you use ExpressVPN, most VPNs take your data and they sell it. ExpressVPN doesn't do that. And that's a very specific thing you need to make sure you pay attention to. If they do do that, you're not secure. ExpressVPN is super fast. They have protocol making it easier and faster to set up. It's just an app, by the way. You open the app, and then you're free to surf and browse, protected through that VPN. I use it on my phone, and I also use it on my computers. Look, I come from a world of special operations tech-savvy security. You're not protected if you're doing anything without a VPN, and ExpressVPN is my favorite. It's not just me saying this. CNET, The Verge, all these other tech journals rate ExpressVPN the number one VPN in the world. For this call to action, I got you set up with three months extra for free on a one-year package. That's 15 months total. You get free three months tied onto your one-year package at expressvpn.com slash mikeforce. Again, it's expressvpn, victorpapanovember.com slash mikeforce. Make sure you guys hit them up, get it on your phone and your computer right now, and make sure you're protected with expressvpn.com. Also, this podcast is sponsored by Element. Guys, I talked about it before. I'm a big fan of Element. That's Lima Mike November Tango because you need to supplement your ability to stay hydrated. Because if you're like me and you eat whole foods, you are literally pissing it all away. You're not getting all the sodium that you typically eat and eating preservatives. And I would never advocate for eating all kinds of crap food, but you need to get that sodium, that magnesium, that potassium that's important with a proper ratio. And that's a science-backed electrolyte ratio of 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium with no junk, no sugar, no coloring, no gluten, no BS. Also, on Element, if you're like me, I eat clean, but I also fast. I break my fast with both Element and another supplement company that I like called Athletic Greens. So when I do this, um, I supplement in my water. I use it on hunts, activity, but also breaking my fast. This is designed by special operations guys who have tested it, include SEALs, FBI sniper teams, Marines, even Green Berets like myself. No question asked refunds. That's a big deal. And today, if you go on drinkelement.com forward slash Mikeforce, you could claim your free sample pack. It's an eight sample pack with free samples of each and every flavor. And all you have to do is pay shipping. Again, that's drinkelement, Lima Mike November Tango.com slash Mikeforce and get a free sample pack. The shipping's like five bucks. Try it out. You'll love it. I love it. I use it everywhere I go. I just had some of it in um, Hawaii when I was there to supplement me on the flat range. And you can get that free eight sample pack of two citrus, two raspberry, two orange, and two raw unflavored. Citrus and raspberry are my favorite. All right, guys, we're kicking off the podcast with Q&A with me on all things preparedness. Uh, before we get there, just let me remind you, if you're interested in CBN and CBD products that help you sleep better, I do have my own company called thewolf21.com. Uh, it's named after the wolf number 21 in Yellowstone. There's a whole story behind that. But I started my CBD CBN company because of my desire to get better sleep. So I saw it. It's something that uh, I used and realized that the CBN infused with the CBD helped me get better sleep. And that's available at thewolf21.com. Uh, I encourage you to try it, subscribe to it, and get a better night's sleep with thewolf21.com. Here we go, guys. Mike Force Podcast.
Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Mike Forrest Podcast. Today, we're talking about your questions related to preparedness. And I like doing these podcasts because, um, one, I'm doing them recorded now, and I have been massively suppressed on Instagram, and it's pretty cool because it's not cool that I'm suppressed. It's cool because I'm transferring these videos and a lot more of my content to YouTube. So I figured this type of interaction is cool because a lot of the preparedness stuff that I talk about requires some illustration of hands. And I don't want to just narrowly focus on audible or the audio version of this. I want to have some context. And you guys have asked for it as well. On these episodes, I just source my Instagram, which is mike.a.glover, and ask you the question, hey, what are your questions related to preparedness? And then I go straight through the questions with no rehearsal and see where we go. Um, so let's, I mean, I got a crap ton of them. So I got almost 20,000 people who have seen these stories. So I'm going to start from the top and just work my way around. And sometimes there's some silly stuff, but let's see what happens. All right, here we go. Um, progression of technology that a population may or may not be ready for, emerging tech, et cetera. So as it relates to preparedness, one of my concerns about the integration of technology is our inability as human beings to keep up with it. That's what's happening right now, where you have corporations, no limitations, arguing that they're protected, um, are massively affecting people's behavior in a negative way. Because behavior or attention is what they're monetizing off of. So to get you hooked, it's like the candies, uh, the candy companies or the Coke companies keeping you hooked on the sugary thing. There's no advantage for them to not have you hooked. So they're double da doubling down on marketing. It's like, well, you have the decision to make. I mean, you don't have to drink that Coke. You don't have to eat that uh, bag of Skittles. So my concern is this is affecting everybody, including children, to the extent where we can't even keep up with what's happening because the case studies, the understanding of this broadly, isn't known right now. In 10 years, just like all of the things that we've done in the past that have hurt, hurt us, we're going to reflect on this time and go, how did we not know? Well, we did know because we know. We know that suicide rates among teenage girls is the highest it's ever been in history. We know that depression, mental health, drug abuse, and overdose are at record all-time highs. We know that uh, society is being, is being super divided by what, what is being read and what's being propagated on a um, social media level, all through the integration of technology. Now, there are benefits. But there's a lot of downsides. So my fear is as we lean on technology, as it evolves, because it's ever evolving, that eventually it's going to outpace us and our own behaviors to where we're going to justify not wanting to socially interact with human beings. Because why would you do that? Why would you socially interact with anybody when you get the same chemistry in interacting with your phone? Why would you want to go on a date when you have all the, the same chemistry that's coming through your dating app or through your DMs or through your text? That is going to be the downside and potential downfall of society, American society. And I don't like it. So create right now in your own behaviors a way to mitigate that risk and manipulating your behavior to where you're just a robot. I mean, you're... You're literally just taking cues from your phone. Uh, I don't like that as I take cues from my phone. <laughs> Interesting. Um, why is your skin so soft? Look, I'm Asian. I've always had soft hands and soft feet. I mean, it's just a, a part of being Asian. Uh, you got to be on that train. Um, mom looting kids in car and threat approaches mom and kids. How to handle? Ooh, very broad. <laughs> like one that's situational. But overall, remember, if you're in a self-defense situation where you're confronted and your children are inside the car, your tactics and how you handle that are very different than tactics on your own. Uh, I just reviewed a video 
that we did on Phil Christ Survival's channel on YouTube, uh, where we do these video reviews. And it was a retired officer in Oakland who gets robbed at a gas station with three teenagers or young men. And he winds up engaging a couple of the guys, killing one of them. And that whole circumstance as it unfolded, after he shot the two, uh, the first two guys that were in his proximity, he chased down, not chased down, but he, he exposed himself to go after the third suspect and get shot six times. Survives, but gets shot six times. If you're the defender of the children that are in your car, in this case, I don't think he had anybody in his car, your tactics will be very different. Because um, what I tell people is if you're with family or you're with kids, especially, who can't defend themselves, your priority is not the fight. Your priority is breaking contact to preserve life. Uh, and that's super important. Um, who or what inspires you? Oh, man. Uh, that's a big one. One of the things that I've done in business uh, since I started, and it's kind of an MO of me personally, I don't like following people. Not because I don't think a leader should follow people, but I don't like skewing my own creative processes or the way I innovate by introducing somebody else's idea and then manipulating it. You are a product of all of the collective things that you've experienced in your life. That's not a bad thing. It's just the facts. Um, all of the things that you've experienced in life, as you know it, you're the sum of all those experiences. And there is no original idea. There's the manipulation of original ideas. But I like using a creative process that allows me to kind of move through that space in business and personally where I'm not leaning on other people's ideas. Now, that doesn't mean I don't have people that inspire me, because I do. I'm inspired by a lot of people. Evan Hafer from Black Rifle Coffee, Jocko Willink, Sean Ryan, um, even Sean Whalen, all, all these guys who are very much influential people and leaders in their own right motivate me. And I, I take cues from them in a lot of ways because they improve not only your life, but they help me improve mine. Those are just a few. I mean, I have many. There's a lot of guys that I look up to. There's a lot of gentlemen, Kyle Lamb, for example, um, an amazing human being and somebody who, when I was on active duty, I paid attention to, and he continues to inspire me today. Um, how do you deal with toxic leadership and wanting to progress? Um, good question. So the guy asking me this, I know his background, he's a Ranger Regiment background. One of the things that I've always experienced, even at places in the military or even life, when things were going good and I had good leaders above me or around me, was toxic leadership in some form or fashion. When I was in Libya, I dealt with a super toxic lieutenant colonel who wasn't personally toxic to me. He was toxic to himself, which created this very weird situation where it was more difficult for me to do my job because he was so toxic with himself. That affected me and my ability to lead. So a lot of the times we have to lean on this form of leadership called informal leadership, where it's not a prescription where you're appointed in a duty and responsibility in a position, but informally, leaders who are natural leaders step forward. And it might be a leader amongst peers. So let's say you have a toxic leader. Well, that leader and their role in you as a subordinate is very direct and very um, ancillary in your abilities to do your job. Because if you're doing your job and, and, and doing it well, there's likely other elements to that that are impacting you, uh, including peers. And so if you're an informal leader, uh, you don't need the appointed leader to lead you down. You take it upon yourself in the absence of leadership or toxic leadership to lead. So all of the situations where I had toxic leaders, they never affected me personally because I knew the job and how it needed to be done. And so I depended on myself as an informal leader um, to lead in the absence of orders. 
or in this case, the, the, uh, the presence of toxic leadership. So remember, if you're like, we're dealing politically with toxic leadership in the, in the administration. Um, some could argue that the last administration had the same thing. But how does that affect you as an individual? Not much. So if I think about all the leaders who directly affected me as a small unit tactics guy, like a team leader, or as, even as a Joe, as a, a rifleman or a machine gunner, if you had a squad leader who was super toxic, yeah, you were, you were affected by that. But even then, the job that you did could be insulated and you could still do your job to the best of your ability. Understanding one day it will be your time to step up. So I hope that helps because it's a huge problem. It's a huge problem. Um, what's your advice for someone wanting to be in homesteading? So. Uh, my advice is you don't have to have acreage and a large plot of land in order to be a homesteader. Start with microgreens. Look, homesteading, by the way, is not all of the things that you think it, homesteading is. It's not the 50 head of cattle. It's not the solar panels on your roof. It's thinking outside the box and starting to cut your dependence or reliance on systems. That could be you in your financial situation. If you're tethered to debt, then you're dependent on an institution and system. So homesteading has to do with your ability to be self-reliant. And that start point for you could literally be analyzing your finances, consolidating your debt, getting rid of your debt, and then taking your new allocation of resources and putting it where you get more out of it. Microgreens, growing food on your own as a practice to take a percentage of the food that you depend on from the grocery store and depending on yourself to accomplish that. It could be a couple chickens. It could be uh, fermenting your own food, canning and jarring your own food. So that's the start point. Any reliance that you could build in your own home is homesteading. If you depend on the electricity because it's tethered to a system, cut that umbilical cord, have a contingency for having a generator in your home. Um, and if, even if you're hooked up to city, you could have a generator on your own that is your backup power, or if it doesn't exist, your sole power resource. Um, you could live in an apartment complex and be, can be trapping rainwater that's lending itself to the idea that if the electricity went out that stopped the pump to your faucet, you could still depend on yourself. Stockpile food, water, hygiene, um, and, and start depending on yourself. That doesn't require a home with acreage, an off-grid cabin. Uh, that requires that you have some thinking outside the box to do, and I hope that helps. Um, Mission-specific gun setup, you talked about barrel length. Uh, versus red dot, bullet grains, combos. Great question. So this is something that I was vectored into in, in my last block of instruction where uh, I was asked to talk about this and the relationship of um, carbines and its role in your life. The start point isn't buying a carbine. It's not buying the optic. The start point is, what do you want the gun for? If you're a rural living um, Montanan, and you want a gun for self-protection against predators and uh, rural protection against people, then that setup looks very different from somebody who's worried about self-defense in an urban sprawl, a city. Um, if you travel 90% of your life because you drive tractor trailers, that, that truck gun setup for your carbine is very different than a setup for hunting coyote or mule deer. So the start point is what are you using it for and what's the, in the intended objective? The reason I ask this is because there's an optimal path to set you up for success. A carbine's a great example. 5.56 five, by 45 millimeter has the ability by definition, um, mil spec definition, of engaging a target out to 550 meters, 800, 800 meters area. 550 meters point. 
And so it has a maximum effective range of 550 meters. Let's just call it five football fields in layman's terms to understand. Well, if you don't have the right optics set up, you're not going to be able to see the target at 500 yards. Oh, by the way, the hold for 55 grain in, in most barrels um, is going to be 60 inches at 500 yards. Do you, have an, do you even have the ability to reference what that looks like in your reticle or your optic? What if you miss because it's rapid engagement scenarios and you're accounting for wind? Do you have the ability to reference a miss and then have a unit of measure? So let, let me, let me I've glossed over that. I, I give this block of instruction in my tactical gunfighter carbine course, but let me just um, hone you into some of the optimizations. If you're looking for a carbine, I recommend a minimum of 11.5 inch barrel. Because SOCOM has tested it, Kevin Owens helped with that test, and identifying what's the shortest barrel that you can go and getting away um, with length before you start degrading trajectory, or, or it, you could say external ballistics. That's 11 and a half inches. That's why I recommend Triarch's 13.9. I recommend uh, the MCX from uh, Sig Sawyer or BCM's 11.5. That's what I personally run because it's one of the best carbines in the world. So I run 11.5, one in seven twist, faster rotation. That's one full rotation of the bullet every seven inches. So you're getting about a rotation and a half. Most people don't have an identified, because it's easy to buy stock ammo that happens to be 55 grain, that you need a heavier round for a longer barrel with a faster twist rate. The optimal bullet grain is 62 grain and up, not 55 grain. I'm trying to optimize my trajectory. I like 68 grain. I like 70 grain Barnes, 75 grain Hornady, 77 grain LR. That will optimize the bullet weight with a barrel twist and barrel length. And then lastly, I mean, it's not lastly, it's just lastly in this conversation because there's always more things to pay attention to. It's the optic. Look, if you're going to have a gun that has the ability to reach out and touch somebody at 500 yards and beyond, by the way, uh, me and Kevin Owens at Todd Hodnitz in Canadian, Texas, shoot a thousand yard targets all day long with 556. But that has a muzzle velocity about 900 feet per second in 556 at 1,000 yards. Still plenty of muzzle velocity. Foot pounds, different, different thing. So now I want a variable optic. Um, Vortex, Razor, HD, one to six. Leupold, anything, one to six, one to eight. Um, uh, night force, one to eight and a half, one to 10. I want a variable optic because back in the day, if you had an optic that was like a 10 power, you couldn't get eye relief. Now, all of the optics manufacturers, the top ones that are my favorite, Leupold, Vortex, Schmidt and Bender, um, uh, SIGs are even good. They have the ability for you to get proper eye relief fast in a snapshot where you have even a red dot optic variable. And in that optic, not only do I want variable magnification, but I want the ability to reference. So I want to be able to see where I'm impacting and then reference the hold. I told you the hold at 500 yards with 5.56 is 60 inches. That's five feet. That's a lot. I don't want to dial on a bullet drop compensator. I want to be able to hold it. I don't have the time to dial. So when I'm referencing, I use mill radians, not minutes of angle. Minutes of angle degrades because it's a gross. Uh, estimated value of 3.5 inches for, an MO, for a, a, a mill at 100 yards. And that degrades over time at 3.5 inches. I want radians where my hold, and I know this is boring some of you because you don't have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm speaking French here. Uh, I want 0.2 inch mill radians um, where every two tenths, I'm sorry, every two tenths of a mill is referenceable. Right? That's more Nat's ass as I look at my accuracy. So mill radians, variable optic, 11.5 inch barrel, one and seven twist, and then 62 grain and up for um, vectoring in the right solution for a carbine. Five must-have items in your go bag compartments that hangs on the back of your seat. Five must-haves. Let's do this. There we go. Number one, a tourniquet. Ready accessible tourniquets that stop extremity bleeds is going to save your life. Have those. Number two, basic hemorrhage response kit. 
augmented with things in a vehicle, because he asked specifically about a vehicle, um, because the accidents that you see in the wild, in austere environments, in nature, aren't the same that you'll see in a vehicle. For example, burns. Uh, you're around fuel. Um, you're around running mechanical vehicles. There might be burns. Have the ability to, to treat and address burns. If you're putting gauze on a burn, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure susceptible to infection. So have some kind of upgraded level of vehicle trauma response kit um, for your vehicle. Survival. Survival is inherently important in and around a vehicle because if you don't have the ability to start a fire, procure water, when you're stuck in the middle of nowhere, um, you're only going to last so long in sub-zero temperatures inside your rig. With no, this is worst case. We're talking about no fuel. So augment your survival kit and have that at, at a minimum. Communications. Uh, look, one of the best ways to um, bail your ass out is have some ability to communicate and have that noted in a pace plan. Primary, alternate, contingency, and emergency. That's a simple acronym where we have redundant and also contingency-based elements for Camo. Primary, GSM, CDMA, cell phone tower. Alternate, or Iridium sat phone. Contingency, ham radio. Emergency, time and place. Have a pace plan for Camo because Camo, in the worst case scenario, is likely to save your life. If you know you're going out to somewhere austere, which I like to do, I don't like to go places where other people go. I don't typically have reception where I go. And I don't show up at a specific time and place because that was my combo plan with my loved ones prior to leaving. That's a good plan to have. Have a combo plan. Lastly, GPS, navigation. Um, a lot of us have this dependency on GPS on our cell phones. I want standalone abilities with offline maps to navigate because if you have access to the sky, then you have access to get a known geo tag of your location and navigate the world. That's important. And that, by the way, could be tethered to communications to make it easier for you to be found and communicate your last known or what's going on with you. Hey, I'm lost. SOS. Uh, I hope that helps. What is your all-time most proud moment in life? Ooh, I don't, look, I don't, I don't know. I just don't think that way. I don't like the idea of definitively um, analyzing what moments in my life were pinnacles or successes for me. Like when people say their objective is to sell this thing, to be this thing, to be successful, what does that mean? Well, most often they think it means a moment where they stand on a hill and they're like, I did it, I made it. Or I stand in the, in the bank and I'm like, I got the check, I made it. I don't think I'm ever made. I don't think I've ever made it. Um, so I don't have a definitive moment. What I appreciate is living in the moment through the journey and having small accomplishments that lead to larger objectives. And I don't want the definitive moment. So I don't have specific moments that I'm most proud of. I mean, becoming a tomb guard was very difficult and I was proud of that moment, but it led itself into one sliver of a big pie that was my military special operations career. Getting selected for special operations proud moment, but again, fits into the bigger picture. I, I don't want to make that sound like egotistical where I'm too good to have a moment, but I just don't want to define my life in moments, uh, especially when reflecting on the proudest moment. I just don't have one. Um, if you could only keep one book out of your entire library, which would it be? Ooh, uh, that's an easy one. My one book would be the book called South from the Shackleton Expedition where Ernest Shackleton and his band of merry adventurers spent nearly two years uh, fending and fighting for their life um, in the worst-case scenario. I have the first edition of that book signed by Ernest Shackleton. It's my favorite book. I'm not really tied to material possession, but if I had one book to keep, it would be that book. Um, tips for raising resilient children. Um, be involved and be conscious. That just doesn't have to do for tips for raising resilient children, but tips for just living and engaging with people. Be conscious. We are so unplugged from our realities. 
and tethered to social media and to technology that even when we're with the people that we love, we're on these devices, not paying attention to anybody. And then their default is to do the same. You ever go out, maybe even you and your, and your spouse are on your phones while you're on a date, not even talking. And then when you do put down the phone, you have nothing to say because you're thinking about, oh, I need to answer that DM or get on the text. It's like, man, be available, be conscious, and, and be here for the now. It's that power of now, which is a great book. Uh, goals in the next five years, personal and or company-wise. So let's start off with personal. Personal, <laughs> it's hard to divide those two um, because I'm tethered to Phil Craft and it's my life. Personal, I want a cattle ranch. I want a cattle ranch. Um, personal, I want a homestead and cattle ranch. Um, I also want a Western wear company that does uh, only American-made Western wear. Uh, why? Because I grew up wearing Western wear, and I'm wearing a plaid shirt by Plaidra right now, um, beautiful Western wear shirt, uh, like cowboy boots, like culture, Western wear culture, because I got horses, I live this, this culture. And I want to be able to create a sustainable life for myself and my family where I'm not depending on anybody because I got the food, I got the electricity, the power, uh, and I got the water, and I'm growing and hunting my own food. Uh, I hate the dependency on other people, especially institutions. I'm not a fan of that. Professionally, I, I want my business to advocate for the same. And so selfishly, I want Philcraft Farms. I want to have a location that's like Whole Foods without the corporate infrastructure that leverages local, um, whether it's the, the, the lady making goat soap from the milk she sources from her goats or the rancher who's growing cattle where we're supplying those resources for people so they don't have to have a homestead, but they know the things they can depend on in the supply chain are supporting their own community where we're making these mini ecosystems where communities are dependent on themselves and not everything else around them. That would be my goal, Philcraft Farms. Um, and then also with Black Rifle Coffee uh, and Philcraft combining and partnering, getting out there and bringing communities together, whether it's over a cup of coffee, um, over the idea and the application of preparedness, that's me and Evan's objective. Uh, and I want to do that. Uh, in the process of going into the Army, any advice going in? Um, keep your mouth shut and your ears open and give, give it all you, could, uh, you can. When I went in the Army, the, the motto was be all you could be. Because you as an opportunity in the military had all these options and opportunities to do anything you wanted. So the sky's the limit. What I see a lot of guys do um, is go in the military and then they limit themselves because they're not willing to take the chance. They don't want to go to ranger school. They don't want to take the, the online courses. They don't want to get promoted. They don't want to go to selection. Be willing to go in and then see the opportunities available and take advantage of it. Um, when is part two with Tom Saddle coming out? We're going to do that. I'll line that up. I hate doing podcasts remote and I'm going to try to get them on uh, without it being remote the next time they're out. Um, so I'll try to get that lined up. Um, any recommendations for a budget build in the AR platform? Ooh, here we go. I don't believe in budgets when it comes to life-saving equipment. That would be like asking me, Mike, what's the low-vis answer for first aid and equipment? There is no low-vis answer. The answer is it's the right equipment for the injury. I would say the right injury, but the injury. And there's no other deviation. When you want to treat your wounds in combat or in a gunfight or in an injury that's an accident, you don't want the little micro wafer that's on your ankle med kit. You want the right thing. Uh, we're making an ankle holster uh, of med equipment, and it has the right solution. It doesn't have the low-vis solution. It has the right solution. So when I look at AR platforms, yeah, you could, pin, you could spend a grand and get kind of the right solution, or you could save up and spend 1600 bucks and get the actual right solution. 
The right solution is the BCM 11.5, the Triarc 13.9 uh, truck gun, or the SIG MCX. I, I've worked with those companies in depth, and I know the quality control, and I'd stand behind all three of those AR-15 platforms. Now, there's other companies that are great. Uh, uh, Daniel Defense, man, the list goes on, but get the right one, not just because you're budgeting, but because it's the right one. Uh, if you have to allocate your Starbucks habits or your, your going out on a date habits, save that money and get the right one the first time. Uh, my Korean mom always had that um, ideology where she's like, why would you spend the money and buy the cheap one where you have to go back and forth? Get the right one. And especially when it comes to life-saving equipment. Favorite memory from your time as a Green Beret? Oh, man. There's so many. I got so many. Um, one time during an operation, uh, we had hit a foreign safe house. And the little birds that were supporting us, the AH-6s, were dumping brass on our position. And the sun was going up. The building was on fire. A vehicle-borne IED went off into the carport. And we were in this hellacious gunfight. I threw a whole bunch of grenades, um, um, engaged a whole bunch of bad guys. And I remember looking around and going, man, there's no place I'd rather be. That was very impactful in the moment. I've had many of those moments. But those are my favorite moments to reflect on as in special operations where I was operationally doing the deed, what I trained so hard to be in a position to do. You know, um, I didn't go to the army not to fight. I joined the army to fight. And when I got in the fight and it was at its pinnacle, which was for me the middle of my service during the global war on terror, those are the best memories. Um, also, some of the most tragic memories. Can you talk about your decision to leave the military? What influenced your decision? Uh, one, I got recruited by the agency, the CIA. So uh, I knew that was going to be my next transition and journey in my life. I also had the criteria where I would not leave the military unless I had my college degree. It took me 12, 13, 14 years to get my college degree. Um, that college degree was a bachelor's degree in order for me to step out and do a full-time government job, which is why I left the military. Uh, I didn't stay in the CIA long, uh, two and a half years, um, and decided, man, I wanted to assert something for myself, be selfish once and for all. Um, best place to get medical training, Philcraft Survival. We do medical training, TCCC, Stop the Bleed. We're getting more involved. Go to at your prepped life, at your prepped life on Instagram to get updates on training calendars and as we add training and medical to the calendar. Uh, that will be tactical combat, casualty care, stop the bleed. I just taught it in Hawaii. Should we start recognizing like-minded politicians so we work with the system also? Absolutely. I, I would never advocate for working against the system. The first start point in Getting your shit together is to get involved in local legislation, local governance. You live in a district right now that a congressman represents. Do you know your congressman? Have you emailed your congressman? Have you been involved in a local um, meet in your town, in your city, uh, in your county? If you haven't, you need to start doing that. Do you know who the mayor is in your town? And if not, figure that out and hold these politicians accountable. They work for you. And so I would never advocate to go against that system. I'll, one, I will always want you to remember that the central government and the local government is there to govern. They're appointed by you, voted in by you in our democracy, so they work for you. But also, you shouldn't depend on that system to do everything for you. The, the benefit and luxury of capitalism, free markets, uh, libertarians, uh, in this idea of liberty and freedom is we have the latitude to create our own destiny. So I'm not saying you should ever neglect that. I want you to be involved, but I also want you to never be so dependent on those systems that when they break, which they will, whether they're corrupt, uh, whether it's a natural man-made disaster, uh, I want you to be self-reliant. 
What's your take on the whole China and Taiwan thing? Do you think it's possible for them to go to war? Who knows? It's not at anybody's advantage. Um, somebody asked me, like, what, what is the idea or what is the thought of us going to war with China? Is that something you think that they're lining out? No. No, for sure not. Uh, tactfully, um, they're treading water, but they would never want to incite war because we're their biggest uh, revenue generator. If they cut us off because we buy 15% of everything you buy uh, that you put in your mouth is coming from China. Fruits, vegetables, um, a, a lot of the things that you put in your body, the, that you put on your, yourself and clothing that you drive, all those are made in China. Why would they want to give that up? That supports their economy. If they wanted to crash their economy quick, cut ties with the federal government and the people of the United States. It would not be smart. So uh, it, would it be possible that they go to war with Taiwan? We're going to pick sides. And we've already established what side we're going to pick. The, the, the administration has said, oh, we don't want to get involved. <laughs> wow. Um, why? Because it's in our best interest not to get involved. But it's also disgusting to see that we won't get involved. Um, if you see these basketball players and these big corporations and their leniency and their avocation for all things China, why do you think that's happening? Why do you think LeBron James won't criticize the Chinese? Because his pockets are lined with the Chinese's money. That's why. And the NBA is. The current administration is. Um, yeah, th that's problematic. When your political decisions in line with your morals and values are compromised because of your pockets uh, lining with China, uh, in no way is that good. What do you think is the greatest threat you foresee to the American way of life? Uh, technology. And rogue social media platforms representing one ideological view, which they choose, and using the constitutional rights meant to protect people as the means to not be regulated by the same government that they hide behind. Very problematic. It's the same re reasons why psychologically um, everybody will convey, even in my own guilt, how much they hate Instagram and social media, but they're still on the platform because we're so dependent. There's more people on Facebook and Instagram than there are religions in the countries and the world. Um, that is becoming problematic when all you know they're doing is influencing behavior capitalizing on attention to line their pockets. Again, sourcing back to the revenue stream um, where you have our behavior so manipulated, our understanding of what is real and what is not so flawed where comedians can't, Dave Chappelle can't even joke because his jokes are being taking, taken as critical ideas and his values. Or if he talks about any one particular race or gender, then it's hate speech. Like, what? That's called a joke. So socially, we can't even have a conversation, a lighthearted conversation, or even joke anymore because we're taking everything so literal, um, and it's affecting our society. We are already on the cusp of breaking our society because of this integration of technology. When you have Instagram suppressing me for what? Making people better prepared? I mean, I'm being called a white supremacist. I'm half Korean. I'm not a white supremacist in the first place because I'm not even white. But I'm called that because I don't fit in your narrative and you think it's bad? Oh, I can't advertise a gun for sports or self-defense or a knife for hunting or self-defense, but you could convey and influence my children or um, me or people I love with your radical ideology because it fits your narrative, very flawed. And that's the biggest danger we face in this country. Cowboy boots for the field, no, nah, I don't recommend them. Look, I got my favorite cowboy boots are Justin's because they're made for the work, um, workplace in mind. I like steel toe boots uh, in, in my cowboy boots, um, but I also like utility. If you're running slick boots and you're not running in a saddle, um, then you're wrong. A lot of dudes who get slick boots and they wear them around town, you want to talk about, you might as well be wearing no shoes at all. 
Um, so I wear Justins that have grips, like vibrant soles. And then I like cowboy boots that have the utility. I do have slick boots that I use for, for horse stuff, but it's rare that I would wear them outside of sitting on a saddle and my foot in a stirrup. Will your new magnet holster come with light options? Yes, but not now. Look, it cost me $25,000 to tool up one model, and, and that's expensive for a small company like mine. So I'm tooling up the initial ones and then and seeing where it goes. Pros and cons of having my sling mounted back versus forward. Um, yeah, the Ford always have a two-point sling. Viking Tactics makes the best sling. I used it when it was just tuber nylon and rucksack straps. I use it today when it's Viking Tactics. We even sell these slings at philcraftsurvival.com. I want you to mount the front part of that sling to the back of the rail because I want your hand there for the real estate and it out of your way. That's the best way to run it. Did anything in your career remind you of uh, Mike Force or SF in Vietnam in general? Yeah. I mean, a lot of things that I did in rural Afghanistan met that kind of criteria. And, and I was used to that QRF cross-border thing being on the border of Pakistan. So it did. That's why my podcast is called Mike Force. All right, here we go. So I got three more questions I want to answer. Um, considering the climate of the military right now, would you enlist? I, I get this question a lot. And look, I, I was in special operations during Obama's term. And a lot of us thought, man, that's not going to be a good time in the military. And it ended up being a, a, a great time in the military. Uh, whether it was a policy that um, was driven down that affected operations that allowed us to do our job. Uh, but those decisions were made above us. And at the tactical level, we were still able to do our job. Now, politically, as a senior leader in special operations, I, I was affected, especially with Benghazi and Libya. But for somebody who's thinking about serving the country, I would never deter them and try to convince you otherwise. Keep the politics out of it. Go serve your country. Go join Ranger Battalion. Um, serve in our Option 40 contract. I, I'm not even going to say do your time. Enjoy your time. It's going to be an amazing experience. Politics aside, you will have an amazing experience um, growing up in Ranger Battalion or serving in special operations with the best warriors in the country. So don't, don't ever um, sway your decision to serve based on who's in the position of the White House or the administration or a political party. It's never going to be a perfect scenario. And the reality is the politics at the highest level, even with the commander-in-chief, are not going to grossly affect the guys on the ground because we're still affecting um, terrorists in Syria. Let me just drop the bomb on one of the head leaders of, of, um, of ISIS in Syria, and that's with all the political stuff falling out, even Afghanistan. How can we get the real history of America taught in our grade schools again? A great question. Um, one, move to a state that supports the Constitution. Uh, that, might be, that might not even be a state. That might be a school district or a county or a town. And don't settle for less. If you're in a town that has school superintendents who are pushing radical ideology, uh, ideological um, um, uh, propaganda on your children, be the one to be protesting. Um, be gathering signatures to, to pull these people out of office. And uh, don't be quiet. If all of your efforts fall on deaf ears and nothing's changed, pull your kids out of school. Uh, I, I would rather see you suffer and having to bust your butt and work through difficult circumstances and your kid get the education they deserve, whether it's homeschooled or putting them in a private school, then you just saying, hey, man, we just, this is just the circumstance we're in. Move. I mean, people ask me all the time, Mike, what should I do in this bad situation? Should I just deal with it? And like, no, you, you have the option. Yeah, is it going to be easy? No. But you have the option in this great country to move somewhere where you are supported. And that's significant. Um, hardest challenge you face while in Green Berets? Uh, I think the hardest challenge that I faced in special operations 
was realizing that in my role and my position, I was limited. It's probably the same feeling that the Joint Chiefs, a general, um, or senior leaders get when politicians supersede their vote or their their uh, command. You know, you got you got a political uh, representation making the tactical decisions in the pullout of Afghanistan, handing over to the State Department, and every military leader is at the mercy of these politicians. That was hard for me to swallow. And on, and on many circumstances, not many, but several circumstances, I had to deal with that, and it wasn't fun, man. It wasn't fun. All right, one more question. I'm trying to figure out a good one. Have you ever been shot? No. You do an overview what gear priority when selecting items for prepping. Uh, ever have a call sign nickname? Uh, how do you change the trajectory of our country? Okay, let's a- answer that one. Oh, I'll, these two questions. Have you ever dealt with depression and how do you overcome it? Absolutely. Like one, who hasn't? Um, trauma and depression and all these things that people deal with is normal being a human being. So uh, understand this. If you feel depressed, you're not alone. You're not special, but you're also not alone. Um, When I left the military, I had a significant change of life where I was operating at the tip of the spear. I was a team sergeant. I was the team daddy. Very significant purpose in life and put on a, a platform, a pedestal. And when I stepped away from that, I was just a dude. Nobody cared who I was, my background, my experiences. I was just a civilian. And then I realized you're not just a civilian. You could be whatever you want to be. But in that transitional period, I, I was depressed. Now, I used yoga. I used meditation. I used redefining my purpose as means to get out of depression. But something that I realized took place in me was it wasn't just in my head. It was in my body. It, it is a chemical change in your body. It is not it, like when people go, well, he's depressed. He just needs to pull his head out of his ass. No, that's not how it works. If you're clinically depressed, you're likely dealing with chemistry and physiological changes that just can't be turned upside down or 180 and just be okay. It's not a lack of willpower or trying. But a lot of it has to do with our inability to get outside of our head because we're constantly focusing in. So when I found yoga, meditation, finding purpose, I was kind of pulled out of my head and forced to do things that brought me out of that. When I was in it, I was like, dude, this is real. This is scary. I was suicidal. Uh, I had tendencies that, that, were, that were not normal for me. And it was scary. I feel sorry for my ex-girlfriends who had to deal with me at the time. But I didn't realize it in hindsight. I didn't know I was messed up at the time. But reflecting on that experience in my life, I was truly depressed. So I dealt with depression. I overcame it. And so can you. Uh, what I would say is if you're dealing with depression, understand you're not alone and find ways to communicate what you're feeling to other people. And if you know somebody who's depressed, help them by having the conversation because too many people, including my friends, are killing themselves and we have each other uh, to lean on. We're all in this together. Last question, how do, you, how do we change the trajectory of our country? Um, it's easy. The power of affecting change in our country lies in ourselves. Yeah, it's easy to say, right? But I think it's even easier to implement. One of the strengths of this country is the great power that people or individuals have being born in this country. Somebody once uh, criticized the um, refugees that were being brought over here. Uh, This had to do with Afghans being brought over here. And my argument was, you're born into this right. They're not born into this right, but they have the ability to choose. So an Afghan partner, in fact, one of the uh, Afghan partners I'm trying to get out of Afghanistan through SaveOurAllies.org, which is a great organization who's literally involved day-to-day with me and getting my Afghan partners out, who I've seen um, every single day make effective change. 
That's saverallies.org. And I'm a member of their board. Um, is helping allies that are committing their, who have committed their entire lives for our country. 20 years in, in my guy's case, where on the ground in September of 2001, when Americans just infiltrated, he was part of that experience. And then with me, with special operations, was one of my commandos. His brother was killed by the Taliban, and he's still in the fight. And they were trying to get him out. Or he's a refugee coming to our country. These guys who are coming to our country, we want those people. Because the greatest benefit this country has is the long lineage of refugees and American citizens who were born into freedom, who have capitalized on the liberties and the rights that they were constitutionally given to thrive in our society because of the significance of freedom and choice. So when you're an American citizen and you take the handout, that's fine. As long as you're on a path to take that handout to get on your own two feet. But when we have an entire system that's committed to keeping people in their place, because that means a vote for me, more control for me, and less control and freedom for you, that's problematic. So to get back in line with our trajectory, we need to get back to a place where we are allowing American citizens to thrive. Uh, there's psychology that's tied and tethered to this. If people don't have a hierarchy of needs and they don't have incentives, they're not going to thrive because it's been shown that when you give somebody a handout repeatedly, they become dependent and less self-reliant. So we need more reliance. And in this idea of Phil Kraft's survival and all the things that we're doing, I'm trying to build your self-reliance by one, the conversation and making you realize how much powerful you are as somebody who's more self-reliant, that you're better off in preparedness to be self-reliant because the infrastructure is bound to fail in man-made and natural catastrophe, and that overall, when we do this, we're only going back to the 80s where we had to depend on each other in communities. We had to depend on ourselves because we didn't have gross institutional and government influence affecting our lives. Now the government wants all of the control. And what are you giving control to? You're not giving control to an institution that's flawless in how it operates. You're giving influence and control to people who are often flawed, misguided, and incentivized by power and money. I don't like that. How is it that we have career politicians who are now millionaires when the average salary for a politician is $75,000 a year? Uh, that's because they're using their influence and power to manipulate the system to get themselves richer, and you're falling into it. I'm not anti-government. I'm anti-stupid. And if people are stupid, which you have in every institution, which is a, a most often bureaucracies of corruption and and discontent, that's what's going to happen. That reflection isn't just government. It's every institution where people exist. It's in my own business where you have a percentage of people who are just going to be fatally flawed, and we work through it. So stop depending on everything um, that's institutional, that's governance, that's control, and start referencing your own uh, abilities to reference your own reliance, because you'll be better off for it. We'll be healthier as a country if we spread this ideology, which according to um, the woke, I'm radical. How am I radical when I'm trying to influence people to do their own thing? You're radical because you're making it so we have to be tethered to an institutional ideology, a narrative that I don't agree with. That's not radical. Well, according to the, the woke, it's not. So I think... Um, the power of the people is what's going to allow the trajectory of the country to get back on course. Guys, um, I love answering these questions because it's a, a myriad of different people's ideas and thoughts around preparedness, and I'll continue to do these. I appreciate you following the Mike Force podcast on YouTube. Subscribe. Leave comments below. Um, I will start and begin to do these podcasts every once in a while to, to ensure that we're answering your questions because I know you have a lot. I want to say I appreciate, despite all the suppression, 
You guys supported me on YouTube, on Instagram, my business, Philcraft Survival, all the things that you guys do for us. Because if it wasn't for your support and your willingness to open your mind um, to this idea of preparedness, we wouldn't be in the position that we're in. I appreciate you guys. Until next time, peace out. Peace.